Hey everybody, welcome to another wonderful edition of the Pacino Pod. I am Jane, otherwise known as A Box of Altoids or at Static Blue Bat on Twitter, and I'm here with my co-host Callie. How's Hello. it going, Callie? Good. And we also have a special guest on. She is the host of the Bad Romance podcast. Bron, how's it going? Hi, hi everybody. It's going great. I'm glad to be here, uh, virtually. <laughs> yes, we are very excited to have you on today. Talk about Frankie and Johnny, directed by Gary Marshall. <laughs> when expert. Gary Marshall directed this, I was like, oh yes, of course. <laughs> we needed a romance expert for like the one Pacino film where it's primarily about the romantic aspects of their these lives. Even though both of them are, like, complete messes and have a lot of other stuff to work on. Yeah. Yeah, their, their, their romance in this movie is very uh, toxic. And even at the end, you're like, I just was left feeling like, this is not a healthy relationship. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, their romance is like a quilt of red flags. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, Al Pacino is, like... So, so oblivious to boundaries or just doesn't care about them. I'm not sure which one more aptly describes him. <laughs> the whole scene at the like very end where like he's talking, like he's like having her like disrobe for him for five minutes and like she very clearly is uncomfortable and does not want to do it. But he's like, no, do it. And like was just kind of like forced her into it. It was like so awkward and uncomfortable. And I was just like, cringing the whole time yes yes. when he's like i just want to see your body (laughs) just show me your body and then he compares her body to having a pet parakeet (laughs) he's like well if you had a beautiful pet parakeet you would show me your parakeet which is not the same as showing someone your body (laughs) that's ridiculous that's an interesting tactic to use, uh, fellas, as you slide into those DMs. Be like, if you had a beautiful parakeet, you'd show it to me, right? I would, yeah, I mean, that would just inspire me to send back photos of parakeets. That's obviously something you want to see. Be like, I actually do have a very beautiful parakeet. <laughs> yeah, she hated parakeets, too. I never got the sense that she ever liked him, ever. Like, as a, like, <laughs> he was just, like, would not take no for an answer. Like, he just kept, like, stalking her, basically, and, like, showing up at her apartment unannounced and just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I creepy. Feels, it's like, um, he feels like a cat caller who just wore her down. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, are you sure you don't want to go on a date with me? Except they were together, so obviously it's harder for her to avoid him. First time that he asked her out is over a person having a seizure, which is like the like I messaged Callie when that happened. I was like, he literally asked her out while a guy is having a seizure, right? <laughs> and that's like the first red flag. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Like literally, they're waiting for the ambulance, and they're both. I don't know. I mean, she knows enough to know to get the person on their side so they can breathe, but. <laughs> El Pacino's just being there. He's just in the way. And he's like, hey, so do you want to go out later? Like, I guess maybe he thinks it's hot that she knows, like, how airways work. <laughs> he's like, tight. <laughs> but in COVID times, that is hot. 
<laughs> yeah, having, having working lungs. <laughs> yeah, knowing how lungs work and like being able to help someone, that's that is like very hot right now. <laughs> I read all these different reviews about the film that were like mostly really like positive about Pacino's performance and his character. Like they were all like oh, like, what a charming person and how, like, sweet he was. The only one that I could find that was, like, similar to more how, like, we felt was this Variety review where they called Pacino a warm, slobbering dog. <laughs> That's incredible. That's actually like, a pretty good description of yeah, his character. for sure, because I feel like he's not very, like... I mean, yeah, like, he is full of red flags, because, I mean, at the beginning of the film, he's just getting out of prison for bad checks... And he is, like, try- like all he's trying to do in the film is, like, be a line cook and, like, get the waitress to go out with him. So he's, like, obviously not, like, like the biggest catch at this moment in his life. But, like, he's, he's like, a really nice guy. But it never seems, like, necessarily... Even though he's very annoying, it never seems like he's, like, quite, like, threatening or anything like that. He's just, like, a dog that doesn't know... He's not very well trained, I guess. Yeah. He won't stop jumping on people. Doesn't it feel dangerous? And I think that he genuinely believes he's in love with her, even though, like, wow, that's quick. But I I think he genuinely believes it. It just feels, it feels like he has a sense of urgency after getting out of jail, um, which is, it's understandable to want to make up for lost time, but it feels like he's projecting all of that existential angst onto her and like, I must be in love. This woman must be with me. We will build a life, you know? And cause he's like in his mid forties and he talks about that at one point, he's like talking about being suicidal, like casually suicidal. And it's obvious that he's trying to build something really quick and he needs her to be part of it. And it doesn't really feel like it's about who she is. It's just like, she's, She's the girl. <laughs> so I think, like, if you if you read about, like, the, the stage play, which was originally called Frankie and Johnny and Claire DeLune, I believe, which originally starred... Kathy Bates plays M- Michelle Pfeiffer's role, and, uh, and I think uh, it was, like, F. Murray Abraham played Al Pacino's role in the stage play, or at least the very first time they put it on. Right. And oh, the, I love that. Right. And the Kathy Bates character was more, it like, the abuse storyline wasn't a part of the original play. Her, like, issues, it was, like, the the whole play is just a two-story, or a two-character story. So it's just the two of them. There's no, none of these, like, external plot lines or, or characters. And it's just, like, the morning after a one-night stand where, like... Johnny is like, no, like, we could really be together, and she thinks it's just, like, a one-night thing because, and because it's, like, played by somebody more like Kathy, that looks more like Kathy Bates, like, it's about her thinking that she's, like, unlovable because she's not, like, conventionally attractive. So the whole, like, robe scene has, like, a different, like, context in the original stage play because it's this woman that doesn't think that she's beautiful or lovable the way she is, and this guy being like, no, I really want to look at you, like... Which is still, I mean, I don't know, that, it's just such a private, intimate moment. Like, I did think it was sweet, but I, her uncomfortability towards it is what makes that, like, so cringy. And, like, the fact that he has to, like, keep pushing her when the first no should have been enough. Yeah, I feel, so that's really interesting about the stage play, and that makes that scene make a lot more sense. Like, I definitely think 
you know, there's also this, <laughs> I mean, this is a bigger conversation about like how body positivity, like sometimes there can be the sexualizing of it where it's like, Hey, don't worry. I'd fuck you too. <laughs> like, um, I don't know if this is as empowering as you think it is. That's like kind of the vibe that he's giving off is like, don't worry. I'm totally horned up. Uh, <laughs> That's so I funny. I think that it's supposed to be sweeter than that, but like, you know, it's like, one why time, would you do it for me? <laughs> one time this guy told me that I had like a big nose, which I do, or whatever. He was like, you have a big nose. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, don't worry, I'd still fuck you. <laughs> like, Are you serious? What? Holy shit. Yeah, like, what? Like, where do you, what planet do you think that this is like what I need right now? <laughs> like... I, but that God, that's horrible. Yeah, that's like, that's awful. And I thought it was, was going to dox him, but no. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that that like rub scene that does it is good to have that context because it does make it makes more sense that it would be included, you know, at yeah. all. Well, it, it it really doesn't like it really doesn't make much sense in the con because I feel like this like stage play despite, like, having the same name is completely, just, like, completely changed, like, a ton of stuff to where, like, the movie and the play are, like, two entirely different things because, yeah, like, Callie said, it was just two people. It's just a, you know, stage play, whereas, like, this, they add, like, a, a ton of di different characters and, like, Michelle Pfeiffer is playing a role that's much different than, like, what Kathy Bates originated in the play, and, you know, instead, of, like, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer looks like Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> so it's just, like, it, instead, it's, instead it just comes off more like he's badgering this woman who, like, does not feel like, you know, showing her body right now into, like, doing it because he's fucking horny. Like, that's how it played. <laughs> that's how it played to me. Yeah, like, he's like, no, no, I really do want to see your tits. And it's like, <laughs> this is not... <laughs> I don't know if this is quite what you think it is, sir. <laughs> I, Kathy Bates, I love Kathy Bates so not much, so now I want to see the Kathy Bates version. And I love Michelle Pfeiffer, nothing gets her, but that... That sounds really interesting. She lobbied really to be in the story. film, but she uh, lost out to Michelle Pfeiffer, so we could have had Ooh. the Kathy Bates version. But thankfully, I guess, silver lining, she went on to make Misery instead. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah. That was the year that she, I think, didn't she get an Oscar nomination for that? After Kathy Bates and F. Murray Abraham left, it went on to be reprised by Edie Falco and Stanley Tucci. And then Rosie Perez and Joe Pantoliano. And wow. it's currently, or up until 2019, it was being played by Audra McDonald and Michael Shannon. Oh, Michael Shannon played Al Pacino's character. <laughs> yes, and actually, the stage play, there's, like, a lot of nudity because it's, like, they're in bed together after fucking. And so I, like, screamed when I heard that Michael Shannon plays that role now because I have, like, a huge crush on him. Michael Shannon is cute and, like, such a different energy than Al Pacino, so it's, like, very funny. It's just very funny how different all of these actors and actresses are from each other and imagining, like, this... Same storyline. <laughs> I want to see the Rosie Perez version. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I um, I did actually think Michelle Pfeiffer was the best part of the entire movie. Her performance is, like, really, really good in, in this. And I feel like she uh, brought a lot of depth to the character. 
in ways that I don't think Al Pacino really brought to his. Like, I think Al Pacino is just mostly, like, playing, I'm the charming ex-con. I'm, like, you know, like, very romantic, whereas I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer felt like a real person. And, yeah, it just, like, I don't know. She she made me cry, which is always a good sign if you can do that. <laughs> like, you yeah. did a good job. <laughs> I totally agree. Her character, she did an amazing job. Like, she... She would do so much with her face, just like, you know, while she's listening to another character talk, particularly Al Pacino, she would just show so many different feelings, and her character felt very lived in. And Al Pacino's, I don't know if it was the combination of the way he decided to act, or the writing, or both, but his, I mean, he's great. Like, I did think about how much worse this, the romance could have been if the actors weren't as good. It would have been... Like, I had fun watching the movie, even though I felt the romance was toxic. But Al, Al Pacino's character is, it becomes one note pretty quick. Like, at first you're like, okay, this this man is trying to, he's getting a second shot at life. And, like, he's motivated and he's romantic. And he, you know, he's reading Shakespeare and wants to ask out this woman. But then you're like, okay, he's not listening to this woman when she says no. And he's, like, obsessed. And... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whereas she, with her, she has she has a lot of inner conflict because she does want... I mean, the movie wants us to believe that she wants to be in a relationship and maybe even have a family. I don't know how much I believe that. I feel like she's just trying to heal after being in, a, in several abusive relationships. She only says that it she really likes is. him once. Like, there's, like, one part in the entire movie where she says, I really like you. And everything oh. else is, like, resistance. Yeah, that's scary. That's that's a red flag that, like, she's pushing away a lot more than, like, m- many, many times. I don't even know how many times she's like, please leave me alone. That's why I feel like the, re- like, relationship is gonna, like, head into another pattern of, like, an abusive relationship, like, eventually, because it just, like, it just feels like that. I don't know, it feels like another one of those situations where someone is, like, only cares about what they want out of the relationship and isn't actually paying attention to what she's saying. Yeah, I felt like he was love-bombing her, and, you know, that's, like, a, a tactic that abusers use. Like, they smother you with compliments and promises and gifts and all these things, and then they get you isolated into this relationship and then they become abusive so I also wondered when when it was revealed that she'd been in an abusive relationship you know it's like hinted at and then finally it's like fully revealed I wondered if part of the reason she pushed him away was because she saw that you know she's like oh you're being super love bomby and you're not really listening to my boundaries but you're also saying all these like quote romantic things uh, and so that made me more uncomfortable with the fact that they do end up together is that she really seems like she's like, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> like The scene where she does tell him that she's been abused and like shows him her scars like on the on her on the back of her head or her neck and he like starts kissing them and saying that he made them go away and she's like, No, you can't make them go away. Like that scene was so frustrating because like I understand like what like I know he was like trying to be sweet and stuff but that's so like that's like I don't know it just like did not work and 
I mean, her character, obvi- like, obviously wasn't going for it either. Like, she was like, no, you can't make them go away. So I thought it was interesting that she still kind of ended up with him, I mean, still ended up with him while he's, like, clearly so, like, naive about how life works and about how relationships work. I feel like the theme that that um, they wanted you to take away from this movie was that, like, loneliness is worse than <laughs> a shitty relationship. Like, because you have, like, you scan to all these, like, you know, people sleeping in beds together and stuff, and it's like, ah, oh, see, like, finally everybody has reached, like, equilibrium, like, and yeah, you know, Al Pacino isn't perfect, and like, but, you know, sure beats being by yourself, and Al Pacino talks about being lonely a lot, and it just, like, which I think is a bad message. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Like, that is the kind of message that get that, like, encourages people to not listen to their gut about, like, a toxic situation. Yeah, I, I, I felt that way, too, and I felt like it was very, I don't know, We've Gary Marshall, like, directs a lot of romantic comedies, and so I feel <laughs> like there's certain things he does that I've, I've started to notice, and the whole, I mean, this is like a rom-com trope in general, the whole, like, shots of, you know, the neighbors and their lives, corresponding lives, or, like, you know, all of the the characters and, like, they all have someone at the end. Like, that's a very, that's a thing he does a lot. And I thought it was interesting because with this movie, partly because Al Pacino's in it, but also just the setting, it feels way more forced because, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't seem like she wants to be in a couple and Al Pacino is not the right person for her. And even other people in the movie, like, they're just doing their life. And, like, it feels like this very much Hollywood obsession with coupling people up and like, that is what you must do. And, you know, like you were saying, Jane, it's like, it's better than like whatever relationship you can get, you got it. And now you're not alone. So (laughs) that's interesting. I was like looking at the other movies that he'd done, like princess diaries and like pretty woman and runaway bride and stuff. And it seems like the, the idea in a lot of those films is, like, about the, it's, like, all about, like, the chase, or, like, getting somebody, like, getting to the point where somebody likes you back, and not actually about, like, what you have in common, or, like, finding a connection, it's all about, like, convincing someone. Like, uh, The Princess Diaries, in the second one, (laughs) I was really into The Princess Diaries, (laughs) and, like, the second one, they're, like, they hate each other, like, the whole movie, and then, like, we're supposed to believe that that was because they liked each other, and because it's Chris Pine, I, I went for it, like, why wouldn't you like Chris Pine, <laughs> but, uh, for this, it, like, yeah, you're right, it totally just feels forced, and, like, he's just making her be, like, because he's, like, I mean, I won't beat you, like, I, I feel like that was also kind of it, too, like, he was, like, well, my God, yes, it felt like, yeah, you never felt like he was going to become physically abusive, but, like, I, and I already felt like he was emotionally abusive. Yeah, like, he was like, like oh, I'll just manipulate the hell out of you. Yeah. I mean, he follows her in the bathroom in a bowling alley and, like, is like, I love you. You have to let me love you. And, like, he thinks that he's a Shakespeare character, but really he's, like, a guy who should probably have a restraining order against him. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's... Yeah, I completely agree. I don't. I don't think he would ever physically hurt her. And I. Th- I. And again, I think that he doesn't realize that he's 
emotionally abusive, which doesn't justify it. But I, I think that I don't think that he's someone who there's people who are emotionally abusive who are trying to manipulate people, and then there's people who are reckless. And I think he's reckless, and he, yeah, he would just be a very very possessive partner that wouldn't give her space and. Yeah, and I don't think that would be what she needs or wants. It's like they're... he's already not listening. Like, I mean, he like all she asked was for him to not go to the bowling night, which was like her thing, and that he still shows up anyways and commandeers the whole thing. And she's like, and that was like, I think that was more of like the point of like this of where when she was like, I can't be with this guy because this is like my time for myself, and this is what I use like you know, to blow off steam, and then he's basically making it himself the center of attention, and, you know, like, because he's, like, telling these stories to everybody around, and she's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, she's like, can you, like, like, he gets really obsessed with the fact that they're both born in Altoona, <laughs> like, Altoona, <laughs> Pennsylvania, it's like, it's this whole thing, and then she thinks he's lying, like, she's like, he's lying, don't listen to him, and I was like, why is it so crazy that you would both be born in L2, like, I don't know why that was so funny to me, but it's like, she's so annoyed with him that she doesn't even believe him about where he was born, because she's like, this guy just, like, won't leave me alone. (laughs) If that's already the vibe, like, before you're even dating, if it's just, like, contentious, and you, like, are always fighting, like, and yelling at each other, I don't understand, like, why people think that, like, things will change once you, like, get into, like, actually, like, cohabitating or, like, like, leading, like, lives together. (laughs) Like, they're like, oh, well, like, once we actually have serious things to to get through rather than just whether or not we like each other, then things will be okay. Yeah, it's, like, the same logic when a couple's struggling and they're like, let's have a kid. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, maybe if we have a kid that'll help, and it's like, no, absolutely not. That's just gonna make every problem harder. I, I guess, for me, I was like, why is he so obsessed with her? Because I do like her character, but she's very closed off, and he just got out of prison. I guess I, like, why isn't he just, like, out in the world trying to date? I get that he works a lot, he doesn't have a lot of money, but it's interesting that he's immediately like, I must pick someone at my workplace. Well, and he has Yeah, he just latches onto, like, whatever waitress that he feels like is the most put together. Like, that's really what it felt like, because, you know, he he sleeps with her friend, and, like, that's seen as, like, oh, how could, you know, that's, you know, he's like, I can't be with this person, because she, like, sleeps around, but, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, (laughs) like, she doesn't do that, therefore she's the person that I must, you know, that I'm in love with. You know, I don't know. This other woman seemed happy to have sex with me, so, you know. <laughs> Boring. Also, she wore gold, like, was, wasn't it, like, golden stilettos in bed? Like, she had them on in the bed, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do, we do get uh, Al Pacino come uh, very loudly uh, shot in this film, which was... I wasn't expecting, but it was kind of... Yeah, that did something to me spiritually. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have you seen him come loudly in a movie? Is this the only time, or has it... This is the only time. You know, surprisingly, his, like, even in, like, things like cruising, where there's lots of, you know, lots of peripheral sex, 
he his sex scenes aren't very long when they do happen or like I was listening to I was listening to our episode about Bobby Deerfield today which is like one of the other few romantic films he's done um and like there's like a sex scene in there that's like three seconds long but a Pippa you know there's apparently there was like a big Bobby Deerfield fan community that were talking about how that that one like three second scene was like the most romantic thing of all time and this is what like we should be striving for <laughs> it's like found this one like, so yeah I think <laughs> this is definitely like the most he's like yeah. <laughs> I found this woman on Twitter that would not stop talking about the scene in Bobby Deerfield and then I watched it and it was like fade it was like kiss kiss fade to black. Like it was like so They've like created like a fifteen minute YouTube that's just like it that looping over like <laughs> Shaw Day. Yeah, I feel like this like all maybe this would just work better on stage. Because a lot of the, like, comedy of him being, like, kind of like a big silly dog, like, feels like it would more work better for, like, a stage character to be, like, actually lovable. But this, like, the space that, like, a film gives you and, like, how close you see her reactions and stuff like that and then, like, the actual, like, pain. Like, maybe Michelle Pfeiffer is just, like, too good of an actress as well because, like, for her to be, like so serious about things and then still kind of like submit at the end it just like didn't feel right and personally I I was like what the hell like after I watched the movie (laughs) but like I feel like maybe if it was on stage and it was like more comically done like he's like pulling her pigtails more like you know like that type of character and she's being coy because she's been hurt before like I could see it working out better on like in person and like just being the two-person play sort of thing I, I, I have a question about like Gary Marshall in general because this is actually the only film from him that I think I've seen um, and I and I just like well while you were talking about how this would this would probably work better as a play I was wondering if like why he would choose to it to take this project on because you know I, I mostly I know he did like all of those like his last few works before he passed away were all like big ensemble like those big ensemble holiday films and like this film it seemed like he was really interested in bringing in lots of different characters and like even making like it's like one of those movies where new york's a f- the fourth character or whatever like new york like featured very strongly yeah. in it like it just seemed like odd for him to pick something that was like a just a two-person play to adapt um when he seems like a director who's like very interested in like characters <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Cause I, like, I agree, Kelly. I feel like this would make more this emotional dynamic would be more interesting on stage because it feels jarring on the screen, right? Yeah. Because you do get so close to Michelle Pfeiffer's face while she's like, "Please get the fuck away from me," and he's like, <laughs> "One of my notes I wrote was in all caps was that it, I could feel his saliva as he tried to kiss her, um, and that it was <laughs> disgusting." <laughs> Uh, like so the big slobbery dog note is like very yeah and and with the I thought their makeout scene was gross oh my god it was so <laughs> disgusting like I was like is this supposed to be hot because this oh like god. does not look good this does not look like good kissing or good it, it's just like aggressive and slobbery like Gary Marshall like I don't know that's a great question because I feel like he maybe he was just like I can bring these characters to life 
in New York. And then, but then, <laughs> then kind of stop himself from being like, but also all of their coworkers. I love them. And also their neighbors and also their roommates. And like, and then before you know it, it's like another ensemble movie. <laughs> you know how, I think I may have mentioned this to you, Bron, that a lot of the Pacino, uh, stands on Twitter are about 14 years old uh, and I don't understand this trend but I appreciate it and I'm here for it one of them I saw tweeted she was like I can only hope that my first kiss is like this and it was a gif from Frankie and Johnny where it looks like Pacino has to like dig for her lips you know what I mean because her face is down and she like definitely doesn't want to get kissed and I was like I really wanted to like DM this person and be like please like you deserve better than this your first kiss should be a lot better than that <laughs> like please don't put this on a pedestal <laughs> uh, internet big sister. <laughs> yeah I wanted to be like watch maybe like Bobby Deerfield if you want to feel like romantic about a Pacino character and that's, and that's funny too because I do feel like before you actually kiss people at least I know for me like when I was like a like a young teen I didn't know what a good kiss was and so, like, you see one on a movie, and you're like, wow, that's awesome. But you don't know that, that like, the way that he's kissing feels awful. Like, it's just, like, a mop, like, swirling around in your mouth. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I definitely, like, the very first time that I ever, like, kissed anyone, like, that's the way that I did it because that's how I saw people in, like, movies. Like, like, like this oh, would do yeah. it. And then, my, and then she was like... Hey, can you act a little bit? It's like you're raining on my face. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah, no. Absolutely. Like, I, yeah, same. Like, and it, it's funny. It's like you figure out, you know, with, with other people, you're like, oh, wait, okay, that movie, the way that they do it in movies is bad in real life. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen that video of the two, like, really Christian kids that, like, saved their first kiss for their wedding day? And they, like, their kiss is so disgusting that their entire family, like, bursts out laughing at them. Like, doesn't even try to hold back. They just laugh openly. Yeah, was that, like, one of those TLC shows? I think so. That was so. something, like, Virgin? Yeah. Yeah, I watched the clip, and <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, this is so, this is like so much. I used to say <laughs> that I was like, going to save my kiss, uh, my first kiss for my wedding day. And like now seeing people like bomb their first kiss in front of their entire family, I'm so glad that I just like threw it away to, to whoever would first take it <laughs> the way it should be. Yeah. What an embarrassment. Like, you save up, you know, you save up all this, like, sexual frustration, and then your family roasts you for being a bad kisser. <laughs> that sucks. That is so fu- But that is, like, almost how this kiss looks. It looks like the two people that have never, ever kissed anybody before. You know, it's so interesting that they, like, this is the second time that they, like, tried to make Al Pacino and Michelle fight for, like, in, uh, as, like, a dynamic couple, because I feel like, I don't know, like, it seems like they're just two people who actually have no chemistry together at all. And, like, I know Scarface, that seems like that is definitely, like, the idea of it. But, like, I feel like this is a movie where you want them to have at least some chemistry. Like, as, like, oh, I can picture this, these people actually, like, you want them to get together in the end. But you never feel that way. And I'm just, like, I, I, I just interesting that, like, they tried it twice with Al Pacino. Is it fucking real life? 
Well, she took the role because she wanted to hang out with him, so... But I think it's so funny that there are two movies where Michelle Pfeiffer just, like, doesn't give a fuck about Al Pacino. Like, in Scarface and this movie, it feels like all Michelle Pfeiffer really wants to do is, like, go home and, like, put her sweats on and be alone and watch TV, like, the whole time he's talking to her. And that's how it is in Scarface, too. Like, she's like, just let me, like, be alone and do coke by myself. <laughs> it's like Michelle Pfeiffer's just trying to communicate that she wants space. <laughs> like, that's her <laughs> career. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, because you, you mentioned her wanting to sit home and watch TV. I love that her VCR is, like, its own character. Like, she brings up her VCR so much. Like, she, she buys a VCR at the beginning of the movie, and then she constantly brings it up. Like, I don't need to be in a relationship. I don't need to go on dates. I have a VCR. And at one point, she yells... <laughs> She yells at her friend that if she wanted a man, she would have never bought a VCR. And I, that was like, I laughed out loud. I was like, that's so, I mean, it's funny because VCRs are so dated now, but it was also just funny. I was just it's like, that's so relatable. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, I have felt that way about like other things, like at, diff at different times in my life. Like I got out of a really long relationship and I was like, yeah, as long as you have like streaming services and weed, you really don't need much else. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You're set. <laughs> I really loved Nathan Lane in this movie. Jane, didn't you read something about how this was like like a glad movie or something? Oh, yeah. Sorry, you you cut out for a second. Like my computer froze. What can you re restate? Oh, what you just said. <laughs> um, I was talking about how like Nathan Lane. This is one of his like pre-fame roles, and he plays a a gay man and like his boyfriend is in the movie didn't you say that you read something about how this was like glad yeah no i sent you i sent you a screenshot because on wikipedia it talks about how like this movie was like nominated for glad awards and this was like right before i started watching it and like we had like and al pacino has been like in like like surprisingly a lot of like films with like really good like queer representation in it so i was like oh is this another like gay al pacino movie is this gonna be good and you were just like it's just because Nathan Lane is gay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Lane was a great character, though. Like, I really loved him. Oh, no, I, lo I love him. He's really, he's really charming. And I actually kind of wanted to see more of him in the movie. But, like, one of those, like, after seeing it, I was like, I mean, it's fine. It's not bad representation. And then they're like, see? Don't we deserve an award? <laughs> Yeah, it was almost like Will and Grace type representation where it's just like, you said that they're gay, so I guess they are. Like, yeah, right. You don't ever, like, outside of seeing them lay in the bed together at the very end, it's like, they're like always like very far apart. He's like fixing the VCR. It's like, there's like, you know, it's it really, you, you, outside of him being like, I'm the gay best friend. It's really like that, that's, it's not like you really can tell. <laughs> and you're not, you don't get anything about like his life or his boyfriend's life besides the fact that like they know her. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I really loved uh, the scene where Pacino is like trying to show them that he's cool with them being gay, even though that wasn't 
the question, you know? Like, have you ever, like, seen, like, a, a straight dude, like, do that, even though it's completely unnecessary, where they're like, oh, you're gay? Oh, that's cool. That's totally cool, man. I mean, like, whatever floats your boat, it takes all sorts, man. Like, I have a gay cousin, <laughs> and his boyfriend's gay, too, and <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when did that, I was like, oh, this is so cringe, but also, like, this does feel like what Al Pacino's character would do, like, he's like, oh, yeah, that, you would never know, and it's like, just shut up, just stop, just, I was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 like, it's like, Nathan Lane's just like, yeah, of course this dude's like this, like, obviously. Right. <laughs> I like it when Nathan Lane is like, when um, Al Pacino brings up that he has a gay cousin and Nathan Lane is like, oh, I'll look him up in the directory. <laughs> he, was, yeah, he had some funny lines in this, honestly. He, he, was, he, was, he was very good. <laughs> yeah, he brought he had a lot of really great screen presence. And I loved that she like had these... Uh, I mean, I felt so bad for her character at so many different points in the movie, but she does have these, like, two really sweet guys in her life, and, like, you, it's obvious that her and Nathan Lane's character are very close, because he seems to be doing a lot of the, like, boyfriend tasks. So that's kind of another reason that she doesn't even need Al Pacino, because, like, she has male friends that are, like, helping her in all the ways that she needs. Like, I don't know, it kind of feels <laughs> like, yeah, she's good. She has supportive people in her life, like... Yeah, absolutely, and she's, yeah, she's created the life that... She's created the life that she is comfortable with right now, and I feel like Al Pacino is not part of that, <laughs> but he really wants to be. So, I read about why this movie, like, didn't... I mean, it has, like, an okay Rotten Tomatoes score, and, like... You know, it had favorable reviews, except for the Variety one that called him a slobbering dog. But the reason it didn't do that well, like, reception-wise, is because this movie came out the same weekend as the Anita Hill-Clarence Thomas court hearings, which is all of the, like, sexual harassment in the Supreme Court, like, stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, not, it's like not reading the room. <laughs> Oh my god, the timing of that is just so oh. bad. Like, I'm sure, like, Gary Marshall was just like, oh my, ugh, like, kill me. <laughs> yeah. Because this was his, like, first big project after Pretty Woman was, like, such a huge, like, hit, too. So it was, like, I mean, I bet it was projected to do well. <laughs> oh, totally. It's like, it, yeah, with him on board and then this cast, I'm sure it was like, oh, this is going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, and so what yeah, I... the fact that this came out during that trial, ooh, or the, the testimonies, that's really... Because he really doesn't listen to her boundaries at all. Like, she's saying no, and he's like, oh, that means yes. And I guess... And, and, the, and the tone of the movie is like, you know, it acknowledges that through her character, but it's also like, yeah, but we all know he means well, which is like the exact rhetoric that's used to excuse actual sexual assault <laughs> like so um, yeah and that's about how like you know people are like oh well he what he means well he didn't mean to like push your boundaries or whatever and it's like well whatever people's intentions are you know it still doesn't really matter like 
this movie, especially because they are co-workers, that, like, makes it worse because he is constantly badgering her at work when she's obviously, like, cares a lot about her job. Like, she's always trying to take care of her regulars and she knows how, like, it works like clockwork to be in a diner and stuff. And he's, like, always bothering her. So, like, the fact that it, the hearings are about, like, workplace sexual harassment. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not, that's, like, the worst timing ever. And also just, it's also, like, a good litmus test. Like, you know, if your movie can't come out the same time as, like, if your movie is enough on the line that a sexual harassment case <laughs> is going to make it look bad, maybe we should rewrite it a little. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God, that's the tagline of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I really couldn't find that much, like, research on this, like, about production or anything. Like, it seemed like everybody really liked to work with each other and stuff, so that's good. I mean, at least in real life, Michelle Pfeiffer does like to work with Al Pacino, and it's not the same dynamic off screen. Well, it seemed like a fun movie to make. It definitely seemed fun, especially with, like, all of the characters. I could imagine them just, like, partying on set, and and it's... It's interesting because it has very heavy themes. I mean, he's getting out of jail and, like, she's been in an abusive relationship, but the tone of it, it, it gets existential, but it's also, at the end of the day, it's, like, a kind of light movie. And so I feel like for the actors, that might have been nice to just, like, okay, we're going to play around in this movie for a little bit together. I was just, all I was going to say was that the supporting characters are really, um, they're all really fun and interesting to watch and you want to spend more time with them and like I think that you know that probably comes from like Gary Marshall's sitcom background and stuff and being like able to work with a lot of dynamic characters so that I, the, I always thought that was like that was a big plus to this movie though because like you get too tired of like Al Pacino <laughs> at least like there's other people in the movie that are like interesting to watch <laughs> Yes, I totally agree, and I, I, I did really like, like, the diner setting felt very fleshed out, it felt very realistic, just, like, the pace of it, the regulars, like, all the different people working together, some of them get along really well, some of them have nothing in common, I felt like that was really, really well done, and in a lot of romantic movies, the workplaces are very under-fleshed out, because there's so many tropes of, like, this is an ad agency, but we don't know what it is, and, like, over-the-top kind of stuff, but I felt like the fact that this was adapted from a play and then the cast was different than a lot of fluffier rom-coms helped it have this very grounded setting. And I'll, yeah, like, I, I'm glad you mentioned, like, the diner and the, um, like, in comparison to, like, a lot of the other, like, oh, big, like, especially, like, late 90s, like, you got mail, those types of things with, like, very, uh, very white-collar corporate settings. Like, I liked how working class, like, this movie felt. Like, everybody was like, oh, these are all, like, real people, you know, like, with real lives, and, like, you could see these people in real life and not feel like they were soulless monsters. Like, I always get caught up on, like, the math of the movie, right? Like, there's so many movies I watch, I'm like, how can this person afford this apartment if they only work one day a week? Or Like, I always, like, ruin it for myself by doing that. But with this one, you're like, no, everyone's working all the time. 
you know, they're hustling, they're living in small places, they have roommates, they're, you know, it's not, it, it's, it does feel real life and it feels like accessible in that way, which sadly, a lot of movies are just really bad with class and with actually showing people work. <laughs> like they don't want to deal with that, I guess. <laughs> right. And I think that, I mean, people will judge this movie because Michelle Pfeiffer is supposed to play like a world weary waitress but I, I believed it. I mean, I've worked with, I mean, I worked in restaurants with a lot of, like, really beautiful women that were, like, pissed off all the time and, like, looked like hell because they worked constantly and they didn't like how things were going. So I, I kind of believed it, like, honestly. She seemed to me like somebody that could have been, like, like prom queen or something and then, like, life just threw, like, a lot of curveballs and that's why she's, like working at a diner I, I also really liked the uh the aspects of like it being like I mean we talked I love how you were like new, it's almost like New York was a fourth character or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it being set with like a I think the diner is like run by um a Greek couple and it's the same actor that's in the Princess Diaries I I'm blanking on his name but um like I thought the party where it's like they're all Greek style dancing like that was really fun and like showed kind of like diversity in New York and like everybody like joining in on like that guy's culture and stuff and I thought it was really fun we actually on the Scarface episode our friend Yana was the guest and she's Greek and I asked her to rate um, Al Pacino's dancing in the the circle dance when there's like one person dancing in the middle <laughs> Yana said that that's supposed to be the drunk man dance so you're actually not supposed to move very much and I sent that to her because he's oh, like flailing so around <laughs> and she was like yeah <laughs> zero out of ten for sure so that's <laughs> I love I love that because I wouldn't know and and like I love I love knowing that he's He's getting the the drunk man rating. <laughs> I love and I love that actor. Every movie that he dances in. Yeah, he's he's not. Al Pacino doesn't have good dancing or kissing energy in this movie. Um, he does. I would want to be in a book club with him. Um, he's really excited about whatever he's reading in the book. Like, and he loves looking up his word of the day, and it's very. I think that's cute. That's one of the traits about him in the movie that. I could tell was supposed to be charming and it worked for me. I was like, okay, that's cute. I like want to hear you talk about the word of the day that you're really into. <laughs> like, sure. I found that really relatable because I actually, especially on the subject of like class and, and stuff like that. Uh, I have a lot of friends that like, as they were kids, they didn't really have that much time to be invested in schoolwork and stuff. And so they're sort of like academic, like, uh, immersion came a lot later and I have friends that are now like we're in our late 20s and they like I had a friend that was like yeah you know a red herring and they were like explaining what a red herring is to me and I was like I know what a yeah I know what a red <laughs> herring is like I mean some yeah. stuff that I retained from like uh you know earlier English class like is a is so exciting to people because they're like learning it for the first time so I thought that that was also really like sweet about his character, yeah. and it, it worked for him having been somebody that had, like, a, a rough beginning, and then had, like, was married, and had kids, and divorced, and is now putting more time and effort into, like, reading and educating himself, which I'm sure he also had a lot of time in prison to do that. 
Yeah, like, he, he's like, okay, I don't have this former family life, so I'm, like, who am I? <laughs> like, what ideas do I have? And, I, like, I would prefer the movie where they work at the same place and they end up becoming friends. Like, I'm, I like friendship movies. I think they're very underrated. I don't think they all have to be, like, over-the-top, you know, buddy comedies, even though those are fun. Like, yeah, I thought it would have been sweet if, if maybe he'd asked her out, you know, she says no, and then they become friends, and, like, we get those conversations about what he's reading and, you know, who he's becoming and how she's healing. Like, I want that emotional arc. Let's recut this movie. That sounds like a much better movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we can get the actors to uh, come through? Michelle Pfeiffer. We can record it in, um, in Discord. It'll be, like, really DIY. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, just call up Al Pacino. I mean, we did have somebody DM us uh, once who was like, I know you're not Al Pacino, but can you send this script that I just, like, have been working on to? Like, can you, like, get this to him? And I was just like, no. <laughs> I can't yeah, get this that's... script to Al Pacino. Okay, that is so incredible. I love that. That, like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm genuinely jealous of people with that mindset where they're just like, okay, yeah, I'll just DM and they'll get, I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh my God. I used to uh, work with somebody that thought that they DM'd Patton Oswalt and that he responded. And then they were like really surprised when they found out it wasn't Patton Oswalt. I was like, yeah, dude, like, why would Patton Oswalt, like, A, be, have open DMs, be reading all of his DMs, and write you back just because you said that you liked him? Yeah, like, you did, exactly. Like, that would be his entire life at this point, then. It would just be <laughs> in the DMs. <laughs> yeah, this man has a child. Like, he is not reading your yeah. DMs. <laughs> Most of my thoughts were around the red flags and the slobbery kissing Oh yeah, I wrote blue deck. I, sometimes I look at my notes and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what did I think this was gonna help me? Like I write, he's kind of homophobic, and then I write the gay directory, and then I wrote <laughs> she's a Scorpio. I don't know what I was gonna say about that, but <laughs> did she say her birthday, or is that like your like? Oh, she mentioned she's a Scorpio in one scene, and then okay. I was like, it would be funny if I did the charts of the characters, but I did not do that. Um. (laughs) That's so funny. I did Jane in my birth chart this week. Oh, you did? Okay, give me the cliff notes on... What's your compatibility like, like, as collaborators? Oh, um, well, I didn't check our compatibility, but we, um, a lot of our planets are in the same places or something like that. I don't know. Similar things came up for us about working and our work styles but then I think like about our like sensitivities were different like I think mine showed that I was a little bit more sensitive which was that surprising Jane I don't know I feel like we're kind of equally sensitive <laughs> yeah I mean maybe like I don't know I feel like I uh I just feel bad about things all the time <laughs> so, yeah. very relatable though it did say that uh, that Jane had to to like get over guilt or something which I don't know what you have to feel guilty about you're like a perfect perfect human so but I don't know I'll check our I mean, I, I'll my, check my our love <laughs> your brain's always bringing up that one person you murdered it's like oh it's just one. Oh yeah yeah 
Yeah, the, the person underneath my floorboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that beating noise, how you can still hear that heartbeat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, should that... check to see if uh if yeah what our compatibility is. I don't need what is are you a Aquarius? I am Aquarius, yeah. I used to February date... third, nineteen ninety three. <laughs> Aquarius? Okay, so Aquarius is your sun sign, and then Callie, what's your sun sign? Gemini. Gemini, okay. I'm a Gemini also. Oh, yeah, what's your um, birthday? And June 15th. Oh, mine's June 4th. But I was, like, yeah. early, so I think I was due around the same time. I really like both of your signs. I don't, I mean, I'm not, like, somebody who's like, oh, what's your sign? I'm not talking to you, you know. <laughs> but it is interesting noticing the trends of, like, the people that I relate to or connect with and that it does seem like there's a couple sun signs that I just know a lot of people. I dated a guy who uh, was born on the 15th of February and somebody who was born on the 25th of February and Jane's February, and it's just like a bunch of February. Wow. Give a February thing. I pretty much always date Scorpios, so that's just like, that's just, I guess, what's in the cards. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's like a crazy enough combination that it works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, (laughs) you know, like a, a movie is interesting when people are just doing the astrology signs for the characters. That's funny. (laughs) <laughs> we're like i don't think they're compatible in any way honestly but i'll check the chart <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah that's how you know the romantic arc has failed when it's like well maybe maybe the stars will tell us something different <laughs> yeah you can follow us at bad romance pod on twitter and find episodes on spotify iTunes, all of that jazz, uh, and follow me at brawn.computer and my co-host Jordan Searles at Jordan, J-O-U-R-D-A-Y-E-N, and we just talk about bad romantic comedies. You know, if you something, something light and fluffy in this horrible year, then come on over and hang out. <laughs> What's Jordan's star sign, or er, sun sign? Uh, she's a cancer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's a good combo. We're both very sensitive also. So, you know, we take turns on who's crying whatever given day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed oh, in a lot of my uh, <laughs> a lot of my friendships and relationships it's always like who's the baby today? Who's who's yeah. getting baby? <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Jane, do you wanna plug your Twitter and stuff? Right. So how when do I I always wanna plug my Twitter account. you you can follow me at static blue bat um i just hit 2,000 followers today (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, you can also follow the podcast at pacino underscore pod um next week we're doing glenn gary glenn ross i believe right is that what we're doing (laughs) yeah i still haven't watched it yet i think Callie has I did watch it, and it's so funny because, like, I saw this clip of what I thought was Glengarry Glen Ross, where it was, like, Hank Azaria and Al Pacino, and it turns out that that is from Heat, and so for, like, an hour of Glengarry Glen Ross, I was like, where the fuck is Hank Azaria? 
Oh my god. <laughs> but also, to be fair, I was like, where the fuck is Al Pacino? Because Pacino uh, goes to take a shit at the beginning of the movie and doesn't come back for 45 minutes. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll have that to, to talk Ooh. about uh, next week. And, oh, shit, I forgot about my Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Callie Bud. Uh, keep it locked. Do the Pacino Bud. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah.